Salam, this is Rahnuma Najiba, and you're listening to Muslim Enneagram. Welcome back to our series on the nine types in depth. In this series, we will be looking at each point on the Enneagram and delving into the origin story of the type and how it came to be as a defensive strategy. We'll also look at what we can learn about the growth path from that point on the Enneagram symbol. This week, we're gonna focus on type nine and look at the journey from indolence to right action. We will also connect type nine back to the divine qualities of Allah that the type structure seeks to embody and talk about how we can surrender to these qualities rather than trying to mimic them. We're back today with type nine, what I like to call a keystone of the Enneagram. At the top center of the Enneagram, nine's position symbolizes the story of being able to see all the perspectives while maintaining a peaceful and steady grounded presence. Najiba is actually a type nine and asked me to do the work of describing the type nine. Um, and she's gonna reflect on what it's like to be a type nine. Um, and it's kind of fun. It's been a fun episode to work on because we're both actually turning 40 this weekend. Um, we have, we're birthday buddies, um, Najiba and I. <laughs> we're only a day apart, which is really cool. Um, and I think this episode is gonna be a lot of fun because Najiba is a type nine and I'm a type six and we have like a, we're on the triangle. So I feel like we have a really good um, synergy that hopefully you guys get to hear when you're listening to our podcast. So I'm just gonna start off with a, Description of the Type 9 by Russ Hudson and Dan Riso, who, who wrote the book Wisdom of the Enneagram. In it, they said about the, about the nine, we have sometimes called the nine the crown of the Enneagram because it is at the top of the symbol and because it seems to include the whole of it. Nines can have the strength of eights, the sense of fun and an adventure of sevens, the dutifulness of sixes and the intellectualism of fives, the creativity of fours, the attractiveness of threes, generosity of twos and the idealism of ones. However, what they generally do not have is a sense of really inhabiting themselves, a strong sense of their own identity. And um, in order to get at, at that sort of loss of a uh, sense of self, uh, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, the childhood of the nine and what their origin story is and how did they lose a sense of that. Um, as, uh, you know, independent or unique identity or sense of self. Uh, Najiba, can you talk a little bit about the, the soul child, uh, what we're calling the soul child um, and their, their childhood journey? Sure. And the, the term soul child comes from Sanda Maitri's books about the Enneagram. And it's her way of talking about, you know, who is the child that we left behind um, in order for us to pick up the kind of armor of the type and present to the world like the child that we thought we should be. Um, and it's connecting back with that that original child to sort of reclaim parts of ourself. So for the type nine, the soul child is kind of like a type three child um, that existed within the nine. And so this is a child who wants to be seen and heard and noticed and appreciated, you know, who wants to, to really take up space um, and to really matter. So just like, imagine this like vibrant little child who loves to talk and tell stories, 
show off her talents, who wants to just like jump up on stage and have everyone look at her and everyone applaud when she like finishes her performance. Um, so this is like part of who the nine was and still is. But somewhere along the way, they absorb the message that it's not really okay to be that kind of child. It's not really okay to have all these wants and needs and opinions and to ask other people to pay attention to you because, you know, that ends up bothering people or it's not really what is being like rewarded or appreciated. So the nine child adopts a different strategy, which is to almost become invisible, like blending into the scene, like the tapestry on the wall. So rather than being part of the picture, part of the action, they sort of relegate themselves to being the picture frame. So it's like the container that holds everybody else, um, but they're not like part of the recipe. So it's, it's a kind of dimming of their own soul in order to like let other people take center stage. And they tell themselves it doesn't matter or it's easier this way. It's, it's better not to, to bother others or to rock the boat. It's better to go with the flow, like not to cause trouble. So the nine's self-abnegating tendencies really do start in childhood and they, they really run deep. And so in a way, they're literally erasing themselves from the picture as a way to stay connected to others. However, as we know, with all Enneagram strategies, it's the very strategy that we're using often ends up creating the opposite result that we want. Yeah, no, that's a really powerful description of um, that soul journey. And um, I think one of the things that you said about the, the nine going to three or having that inner three is uh, really interesting in, in the sense that that's the growth path um, of nine is to, to kind of grow into their own energy and their own sense of what they want to do or how they want to inter- in, engage in a situation. And, and that's the way that they end up getting, you know, what they really want, which is that sense of, of real harmony, balance, connection, um, rather than, like you were saying, kind of self-forgetting, um, like that strategy of the nine of self-forgetting, um, which is a temp- temporary sort of way to arrive at, at that harmoniousness or that sense of peacefulness, but eats away at the nine's own inner you know, need um, to cultivate a sense of what brings them joy or how, you know, what makes them feel alive in, in the moment or in the situation. So the growth path for the nine towards is towards three, where they, um, you know, are able to radiate a sense of their own uniqueness, their own achievements, they're energized. Um, and they work really well uh, together. Anyone who's in a relationship with a nine knows that they work really well with others and they empower others to shine um, as well. So one of the ways that I think nines do that, can do that is, um, getting in touch with their gut or their body center and then their heart center, which is, you know, where you feel like that sense of uh, aliveness. So there's the quality of instinctiveness, which I think like intuition is very strong in most nines in general. So being able to be really in touch with your own intuition is important. Um, but then also being in touch with that heart center where that you feel like a sense of love and joy and appreciation 
really combining those. And then, then we get to the six, which is on the other part of the triangle. But before I talk about the six, uh, Najiba, what's it been like for you to grow towards three? So for me, going to three is kind of like turning on the light inside and letting it shine out into the world instead of kind of pretending that there, there's nobody home or that I don't have what it takes or that it's not important to think about what I want or what I want to achieve or how I want to show up in the world. Um, so like at nine, it really feels like, you know, while there is a lot of like peace and harmony and good things at nine, there's a sense of not being fully on. So like not being fully in touch with like my goals and like my real sense of like purpose and mission in my life but going to three feels like kind of getting some of that energy back um, and inhabiting myself in like a more embodied way and getting in touch with like self-confidence and competence and like being able to have an impact and, and really just like believing that I matter believing that I do have something to bring to the table and it is important and it's not the same whether I do it or not like it's not all things are equal but rather it's like no this is a priority and then this is more important um and so it's you know the the path from indolence to right action is what's described as like the growth journey for the nine and indolence has to do with having energy for everybody else but then when it comes to yourself it's like all the air goes out of the balloon and there's like nothing left so in some ways it can sound kind of two-ish with like twos wanting to help others, but not being able to help themselves. And so for nines, it's kind of like all my energy is always feeling trapped inside other people's lives. Cause I'm like trying to support others or be like a safe space for others or be like a landing spot where people feel comfortable. Like it's like being in that container, um, but never getting to be like the main dish. Um, and so you know, going to three feels a lot like coming out of that story and instead embracing the story that you matter and I matter too, and we both matter. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, it's a nice feeling. Um, and I think it's like a, an interesting thing that the nine goes to three. And I, I, I think you said this to me in another conversation we had, that the nine has to go to three in order to get to six, um, instead of going directly to six, which is nine's kind of stress point. Although I know you have some positive things to say about going to six as well. Um, as someone who identifies strongly with the six, I think nine is actually my growth point. So I always feel a, a, a lovely connection to nines and have always had an, an interesting relationship with nines. My husband's a nine as well. And I you know, really appreciate the qualities of the nine that are really evoke a sense of um, what I call like calm stillness or uh, a groundedness, a, a sense of presence, almost like as if, like you were saying that, you know, nines kind of have a challenge with self-forgetting. But I think a really, a really peaceful, steady nine is like, is very grounded and centered and, and there. And when they're there and they're there for you, um, it's a wonderful feeling. Like you get a sense of, of real inner peace, of outer peace, and, and the nines at their best are really doing that great work of creating these environments that are really in live, lively and enriching in, in, in a way that feels like, like you said, that balances out that sense of like, oh, like 
I'm here not just for others or not just to create an environment that's peaceful for others, but I'm really here in a way that feels very much um, connected to the energy in the space, the, you know, the joyful quality in their own hearts, the in intuition that they have about what, you know, what would create a more um, peaceful environment. So um, as a six, like I would say the nine goes towards um, the six when they, from an observational or perspective, when they are challenged and, and in, in regards to that sense of peace. Um, and so they start to question or doubt um, whether they're doing a good job, whether they're really necessary or important in a situation or in an environment. And they start to kind of move away from being that grounded presence and that engaged person to somebody who's um, questioning themselves, uncertain, looking to others for the answers, um, asking others what they think all the time, um, how they feel about a situation rather than looking inward um, to their own intuition or their own sense of what's would be proportionate or what the next right thing to do would be. So that's where I think the nine goes to six predominantly as a stress reaction. But I'd love to hear from you, Najiba, what do you think happens when the nine goes to six? And, you know, maybe some of the positive things about that as well. Oh, you self-deprecating sixes, just stop it now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, so, you know, one thing that Beatrice Chestnut and Iranio Pais talk about is like, you know, we travel to the other points that we're connected to on the Enneagram, both in stress and security. So it's not necessarily true that like one is the growth point and the other is a stress point, like that has some validity to it, but it's also like, you know, on the high side of nine, we can embody the high side of three and the high side of six. And on the other hand, on the low side of nine, we can start hopping over and using you know, low level three strategies and low level six strategies. So I would say for me going to the low side of six, it manifests as just a ton of anxiety. So just anxiety in the body, not trusting myself, like doubting things, procrastinating, just like not being sure. I'm not sure. So let me find somebody else who is, let me find somebody who I can ask all my questions to, whether it's about religion or God or work or relationships or finances. Like I need to find somebody who's going to like explain all this stuff to me um, because, because I don't know. And, and I don't know how to like find out without consulting the committee. Like we often talk about sixes having the committee in the head. So, so yeah, I would say like sort of that, that doubting mind, that sort of, it's also like a racing mind energy for me going to the higher side of six feels like almost the opposite of that. So like getting more in touch with like my intuition. Um, I, I am a gut type. So there already is a lot of like gut knowing that's coming online. Like when I think of big decisions that I've made in my life, I feel like it was all gut. Like, I'm just like, all right, I know this is the right thing to do and I'm just going to do it. It wasn't in the head. So I think the six energy of kind of transmuting that questioning energy to a kind of like inner knowing. So not needing to go outside of the self, but like finding that inner wisdom within of like, okay, I know what I'm capable of. I'm just going to hold steady, put in the work. Because uh, as a nine, sometimes it can be hard to put in the work because I'm like still unsure. Putting in the work to achieve what I want um, and just trusting the process and realizing that, you know, it's not about me. It's actually 
something bigger than me, something bigger than all of us. Like it's not just about me developing myself or me becoming uh, a better person. Like there's also a communal aspect and um, maybe just sort of letting go of like some of my anxiety about how to get things done or how to do it right. Yeah. Oh, thanks for your positive interpretation of the six. I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the wings um, because I think nine nines with their wings can look really different. And this actually came up with Najiba and I because, you know, I'm um, as I mentioned, my spouse is a nine, and so I was like, you guys don't seem that much alike. And then she was like, oh, I think maybe. Well, actually, the wings kind of thing came in, and then we were like, oh, that makes a lot of sense, because like, I feel like the wings can really affect how um, any of the types can kind of show up um, in a very different, with a different slight, slight, I would say maybe like hue or a different tone or something. So nine wings, wing eights are um, actually a little bit more physically kind of engaged and attentive to conflict. Um, so their energy is more contradictory. So they may have a need to both assert themselves as well as remove themselves from conflicting situations. And so, you know, they, they don't have necessarily as much of a, um, a lack of sort of engagement with conflict as opposed to attention. So there might be more of a energy in terms of like, I want to deal with what's coming up in the environment around me that's messing with my sense of inner peace or the sense of peace in the, in the environment. Um, and so they may kind of um, like an eight be a little bit more challenging or challenge others to, um, to show up to kind of create a more uh, engaged environment or to deal with conflict more, uh, more uh, I, I wanna say like assertively maybe. Um, Risso and Hudson call this combination nine wing eight, the referee. So they may be engaged in the in the ring or the arena, but as a referee, as someone who's trying to kind of make sure everything is going well, but not necessarily involved in the, the game itself. And, and so that that again is as goes back to the nines challenge, which is figuring out where they want to be, where they want to position themselves to, to take the to create the most kind of peaceful situation. Uh, I feel repetitive saying that word over and over again, but creating a situation that makes everyone, including themselves, happy in the in the environment that they're in. And then nine wing ones are more um, principled. Uh, they tend to be, since wing is kind of, the one is more interested in sort of perfection or getting things right. They may come in and sort of try to figure out or what the right thing to do is in a situation or what the ideal outcome is. So it's that combination of sort of looking for a good outcome, a harmonious outcome, along with what the right thing to do in that situation might be or in, in a principled way. Um, so Riso and Hudson call this pairing the dreamer. So a little bit more idealistic, but also still, you know, not totally in the game or in the situation, but thinking about it, trying to figure out how to make things um, better. Uh, Najiba, do you identify with a particular wing? Yeah, I definitely identify with nine wing one. So when I first took my Enneagram test, I could relate to both of them a lot. I still always knew I was based in nine, but the one was just so familiar. Like it felt like I could totally be in that space. Um, I think what I realized differentiated me from the one was just like the 
yeah, that need for harmony um, is a lot stronger than in me. The, the need for finding what's right feels really strong as well. But I think for me, I would prioritize harmony over, for example, like being right in a situation or like kind of asserting what I think is right. Um, but at the same time, like just th that idea of the one being the reformer, that's always been, I think, a part of my identity of like, you know, how can I make the world a better place from a standpoint of, of values and justice and fighting injustice, inequality, you know, out of all the courses I studied, those are the ones that had the most impact on me, like studying social inequality in sociology and social work school. Um, my major in college was peace and justice studies. So it's like, you know, it's like, if that's not nine wing one, like, I don't know what is. <laughs> it's like peace and justice. So um, I definitely feel a lot of that one-ish energy in me of like trying to reform the self and others, wanting to teach. Um, so it feels like a pretty strong energy. Um, though I'll say that like the eight has been coming online more for me and I'm so happy it's like right next to me because I feel like for my current place in my growth path, like the eight is where it's at because the eight has all the qualities that I'm looking to integrate. So like owning one's own power, like you know, showing up as strong, being able to say no, being able to draw boundaries, like being able to be fully in touch with your anger and your priorities. And just all of that for me is like a huge growth point. And so I think my movement, like in my growth is going to be leaning towards eight a little bit more um, as a place to sort of reclaim some of the things that I've kind of left behind or left in the shadow. Nice. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit more about like nine is a, as a temperament or a temperamental quality. I was really interested for several years in, in the temperament and actually led, led me to the Enneagram. That interest led me to the interest in the Enneagram. So nine, I feel like has a quality of what in the, in the temperament jargon is called phlegmatic and that sounds really weird, but <laughs> it kind of reminds me of uh, of like a, a, a like water based temperament. Actually, like the, a lot of the old school temperament stuff would have like water, fire, air, and um, I'm trying to remember what the fourth one was. Earth, I think, and then they would also actually have connections to the body. So the phlegm was like connected to the di the um, digestive or the um, sensory system. And then they would have, um, they had one that was called sanguine, which was about blood, and then choleric, which was about cold, like bile, and melancholy, which I can't remember if it was related to a, which physical element it was related to. But I bring it up because I feel like nine has, has that element of like sort of a water-based temperament. And when I think about the nine, I kind of think about a steady stream, either a cool, warm spring or a steady stream of running water as like at its best at its healthiest and and so when a nine is really really healthy i feel like they are that sort of really refreshing and rejuvenating uh they have that rejuvenating quality about them but when they are not in in health or growth you can kind of imagine um water that goes still or dry or stagnant water that's not moving and usually in stagnant water it collects a lot of you know 
a lot of things, and then it can be a source of contamination or, you know, um, disease. So you really like want, in terms of the qualities of the nine, to be somebody who's able to freely move, um, engaged, and um, able to like get into their own strength, um, and a, as a way to also give back to others. So this leads me to the part in our episode where we wanted where we talk a little bit about practices that help the nine, and we're going to talk a little bit about Islamic practices as well as other practices that are that we found helpful. So with someone as a nine as a growth path, I've found like vocalizing practices such as Quran recitation, um, really, really helpful. Uh, also body practices like walking vicar or meditation uh, to keep the energy flowing or moving in the body and for connections to develop um, between different parts of the body, like the head center, the heart center and the gut center. So for me as a six, like if I go to nine, it's really about getting in touch with my intuition, balancing my, um, my headiness or my intellectualness with a sense of what's going on in my own body and my own gut and my own sense of intuition about, about a situation and to have some sort seek some sort of balance between the two rather than like, you know, just thinking about things like from only one part of myself. Um, so Another way to think about it for me is like a good question, like the six as a, so as a questioning type, um, getting a good answer. So like oftentimes the nine is somebody you can turn to reliably to be a good listener, someone who's like peaceful and like self soothe, like has a sense of self soothing uh, quality. So Najiba was talking about like the path to growth for the nine is like really having a sense of the right thing to do in a situation the next right thing. So I always like to think about the nine as having like a good answer to a good question that I have, you know, like I'm like, ah, oh, it's a question. And then you talk to a nine and then they help you get to that right answer or that good answer that's like feels right for you personally, not just generally like talking about it in some sort of like right or wrong way, but like intuitively sensing what you as an individual might need or want or feel is like the right thing in this particular situation. What about you, Najiba? What would you say are some practices that are really helpful for you as a nine to, you know, for your growth, your own spiritual growth and development? Yeah, well, just, just going back to your example, I love that you talked about feeling that sense of like being individually listened to and heard and understood. Um, in my work as a chaplain, you know, I often try to meet people where they're at and sort of sense into them like what they're needing in the moment and like like you said like what's right for them and I think as a nine and as a Muslim sometimes it can be challenging for me because like there are certain elements in our tradition that we feel like okay well like this is the right way and the wrong way or this is black and white um, and there are other areas that feel gray um, and as someone who can see all perspectives it's something that I both have to watch in myself and also appreciate in myself because there are times where you're being asked to give guidance or to teach. And there's other times where you're being asked to sort of hold space for someone to make a decision on their own. Um, and sort of, sort of like that balance between the nine and the one, like, you know, when am I in the teaching role and when am I in the receptive role is something that I think about a lot. So it's helpful to hear your perspective on that. So yeah, in answer to your question about practices, I think for me, the biggest thing is 
realizing that I was a body type and I needed to get into my body. It might not sound like a spiritual practice, but for me, it really was. So getting out of my head and realizing that my issues that have to do with like energy or not feeling connected to my priorities, like I had to start with the body because like, and this is something I learned when I did Korean yoga in, in New York, is that the body is the container for everything. It's the container for your heart, it's the container for your mind. Like you were only given this one container and like you have to respect it and take care of it. And, you know, that's even from the Hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu that, you know, your body has a right on you. Like, like don't abuse your body, don't like ignore it. And so, you know, for me, just understanding that like sometimes expending energy creates energy. So like, yes, I might feel tired or feel like it's time to relax or time to sort of conserve energy. Sometimes what I need to do is put in that effort to sort of bring myself online, bring that vitality online. Things like doing aerobic exercise or activity, kind of tuning more into like the physical aspects of the prayer. And, you know, there, there's a reason why we pray with our bodies and not just with like our minds or our hearts. Um, so really like paying more attention to how I'm using my body and how it's like a vehicle for me to be in the world rather than thinking of it as like a completely separate thing. I've gotten more into like things like weight training, physical therapy, massage, like really also noticing how my type patterns can create like tension and constriction in the body, seeing the tie in between like digestive issues and the pattern of holding on to anger or holding on to emotion rather than like processing it and like letting it out even things that allow me to like hear my own voice. So I remember discovering one day that I love to recite the Quran aloud in prayer. And this feels both healing and empowering at the same time. Um, you know, as someone who tends to like hold back my voice sort of in service of the greater good, or at least that's what I think I'm doing um, or feeling like the need to downplay my voice or mute myself, you know, being able to recite the Quran out loud just felt like so freeing and so beautiful. Um, I mentioned earlier that I had studied like the vagus nerve and how, you know, when we stimulate that nerve that can help us like anxiety and depression. It's like a physical pathway to healing. So realizing that when I, when I sing or when I recite Quran or when I do something that like moves those vocal cords that actually has reverberations throughout my whole self. So those are some things that come to mind for me. And also just like establishing better routines. I'm not a very routine oriented nine but I think I'm starting to see how as a spiritual practice, doing something small, but consistent is, is really where it's at. Yeah. I like your discussion about like getting into your body, into like sense of your own self from a, from like the perspective of someone who enjoys the qualities of the nine that I experience in my own self when I'm like, when I'm there, I also agree that it's like, there's some, there's an element of like feeling like making peace or being peaceful is not a, um, is not a stag, it's not a stationary thing. Like it requires a lot of discernment, a lot of ener energy activating, a lot of connecting, relationship building. So I think it's really interesting to think about all the things that you, you need, all the faculties you need engaged in order to be at peace. And so one of the things that we have talked about a little bit in, in previous sessions is the names of Allah and the qualities that, you know, that are, that come out for the type nine. And so Najiba and I have been using the work of Khalid Sharb, 
Al-Sherbini. He does work with the Enneagram in Egypt. And so in his uh, discussion about the 99 names of Allah, he choose, chose Al-Salam, Al-Halim, and Al-Latif, those three names for type nine. So nines have this lost contact with Allah, just like all of the types. Um, and especially with these qualities, they, have, they, they kind of are seeking them, peace, forbearance, gentleness. So one of their strategies is they try to recreate these qualities through their personality structure. That's why they develop a personality structure in which they look peaceful from the external, from, from the outside. So they decide that they need to be like the peaceful one, the forbearing one and the gentle one, but then they kind of forget that that is not their job actually to provide these qualities, but it's, these are God's qualities that God wants you to be attuned to and recognize that those qualities come into being or come in, come into being when you are, you yourself recognize that it's not you who's the container of those qualities, but that you're a conduit and that you know, God works through you to like create those qualities in the environment around you. So there's an essential sort of a regaining of contact with God and those particular qualities that are necessary in the nine's journey back to them, back to God and, and back to their own fitra, their own natural inner, their state, their original state. Yeshiva, do you want to add anything to those names? of Allah's Pantana that are helpful to the type nine? Um, yeah, no, I definitely think that those names are names that I naturally connect to. Um, and I think I have a tendency to focus on the the softer and more feminine qualities in the names of Allah, um, but specifically the idea of um, being at peace. I think that's always been something that has been like a, a driving force or desire in me, like, you know, even when I would make dua, like, you know, Allah, please put my heart at peace. And so when I think about, you know, how my type structure is trying to recreate those qualities, it does make me realize that it's not something any human being can like shoulder the burden of. And it's almost like a relief to hand that quality back to Allah and realize that, you know, it was his to begin with, um, rather than it being like my job to bring peace to the situation or harmony to the situation. Um, but I think that's how I often end up feeling that like that is my role or that is what I'm supposed to do. So I think, you know, looking at the names in this, this new way of like seeing how maybe we're trying to like mimic these qualities rather than tapping into them and realizing that, you know, ultimately Allah is the owner of these qualities. And if anything, uh, we can just reflect his light. Um, that for me is like a helpful way to both recognize, you know, what are my, my strengths as a human being, but also like, what are my limitations? So do you have any Reflections, Najiba, as you turn 40 on the spiritual wisdom gained from the Enneagram. What are you hoping for this coming year in terms of growth? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to turn 40. I feel like it's like literally like a coming of age, like I'm becoming an adult. And um, I think about, I don't know, just like the next stage of the journey and like how you know, in many ways, 
all this time I've been trying to like direct my growth path, but in actuality, it's like Allah who's in charge of it. Like he's the best of planners. Um, so I think I'm sort of coming into turning 40 with a little bit more of a feeling of like, I'm not really in the driver's seat. Like I thought that I was, but I'm actually in the passenger seat. Like I'm actually in some ways, I know that sounds like too much of a nine-ish thing to say, but it's almost like I feel myself moving towards three um, in terms of like owning myself and my, my talents and my confidence, but at the same time realizing that like, it's not about me. Um, there is something bigger at work here. And I feel like a greater ability to like relax into the process rather than trying to like control it in some way. Yeah. What about you? What, what are you thinking about as you approach 40? Yeah. Um, I know in the Islamic tradition, 40 is like when the prophet received um, revelation. So I always get excited about 40, actually. I'm like, yeah, 40, that's like a good time, right? To like get it, get it right. Or like figure things out, like, or, you know, have your whole world kind of shift, maybe. Um, so I'm excited. I think it's going to be a good decade. Um, I'm feeling like it'll be like a like, I like what you're saying about growing into your own sense of self. It's like, you're kind of, you know, still like in the Islamic tradition, you're like supposed to be like youthful, but you're also reaching that cusp of maturity. We have a real sense of, of identity, of purpose, of belonging, you know, you're really situated in your life. Um, but then there's also all these openings, like impossibilities because you're more grounded and you're able to kind of see what you want or how you want to kind of engage with others in a really purposeful way and a really meaningful way. So I'm excited. Happy birthday. <laughs> you too. Happy birthday. today's episode, we explored type 9 and their growth path as well as their stress reactions. We talked about the soul child, the qualities of Allah that the type mimics, and the relationship between type 9 and type 6, which are Najiba and I's primary types. We invite you to join us as on our next episode when we explore type 1, the last of the body and gut types. Join us next time on Muslim Enneagram. <laughs>